friends! Welcome to episode 77 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller that's looking to take your game, take your game up to the next level, I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? You know what? After that, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's ooh, quite a pick-me-up, actually. Thank you, thank you. I, uh, I saw that Arcane Anthems had some new... Uh, had finally put his parody stuff up, mm-hmm. uh, or their parody stuff up, and uh, I, I was like, let me grab this just to see how many tracks we have and i was like there's a lot there's but a lot, they're all yeah. like one minute and i'm like you know i'll, I'll try and find like a, a good smattering to throw up there and i mm-hmm. think they were fun enough and people would recognize a bunch of those some of the songs that he's got i don't know because i'm not like a poppy person yeah, yeah yeah but uh there's there's i think like 20 tracks that he put up mm-hmm. and they're free you can go grab them off uh, arcane anthems on their patreon page and i highly recommend it he's also got the actual names of the songs in there if you're like oh i know that song but i don't remember what it's called right right right. Um, it was a couple of them for me yeah yeah whereas i recognized i was like wait a second i know this song so but uh, i just thought i'd throw something a little different today today and uh so uh and for those who are uh catching the podcast um and don't get the intro because we slice it off if you're you're doing it later. Um, I will be posting them up on our site uh, and a link to the Arcane Anthem so you can grab those parodies. They are a bunch of fantastic D and D versions of uh, songs and parodies, and they're very short. They're like a minute, minute five at most, uh, and they are fantastic. They're very well done. Yeah, definitely, definitely go uh, take take a look up there if you're interested at uh, StraightTellerConclave.com. Yep. we'll see them up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is episode seventy-seven. Yeah. Uh, so, God, it seemed seem like we did our 50th, like, just yesterday. It feels like we, we were one year uh-huh. into this, like, yesterday. Yeah. And, and, like, I went, it was actually when we were talking to somebody, I'm not going to say who, uh, cause we don't know what's going to happen with that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were asking us, like, some questions about the show. We were like, oh yeah, this, this, and we've been doing this for this long. Oh God. <laughs> oh my God. It has been like a year and a half now, Yeah, so. Yeah, I was really surprised. I was really surprised mm-hmm. looking back at it all. But it's been fun, and we've done a lot. And we've got these miniseries, and I, it just it always amazes me that no matter how many times we either revisit something or I take a look at something, I learn something new or remember something that I do naturally again that I don't think about. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I do something that helps me in my next game. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And that's what the whole purpose is, not only to help each other remember to do these things and to keep us moving through all of this, um, but also to just be helpful to other people who are getting started because it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that there are brand new DMs out there who oh, have yeah. no idea what they're doing, who look at the books and see the dauntingness, but also feel the excitement. And we want to keep that excitement going. Right, right, right. So. I was I was actually talking to somebody online the other day, and uh, they were they were saying to me, like, uh, like oh, hey, I, I heard you did a podcast, and, uh, you know, it's, it's about uh, gaming and whatnot. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, you should, you should give a listen. It's about how to how to you know basically be a be a good storyteller, and he's like, oh, it's a probably way way over my head. I'm like, buddy, this is exactly the reason we were doing this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. There's 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 no there's no entry fee. You know, get in here. So yeah, I I, I want to always emphasize that this is ground level stuff. That that yes, we're we're cutting these shows into little big pieces so that you can examine different parts of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it should never feel like it's over your head. And if it does, please let us know. We'll we'll take it back a notch. If oh we yeah, need by, to. by all means. And this is why kind of we we encourage people to get on our Discord too. Very much is, so. Is so you can engage with us personally you know? and each other. Drop drop questions in there. No question is is too you know newbie ish or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like there's no such thing in my mind. You know. Yep. We all had to start somewhere. Um, we've got other new storytellers that are on mm-hmm. the discord who uh are interested in just you know entry level stuff of like i'm running my first D game this is yeah. my session three how do i handle this yeah you know 
did I get myself in too far? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's, I will say we are not, we are far more approachable than a lot of shows because mm-hmm. we actually have this accessibility and I want people to be able to use that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we have a continuation of our current show mm-hmm. uh, where we're talking about our mini series, I should say, which is uh, talking about encounters in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, this week we're going to dive into environmental and extended encounters. But just to reframe, since last week we kind of took a jump back to uh, doing a review. We did uh, MechWarrior last week. Uh, back, Battletech. Yeah. Battletech and MechWarrior, yeah. Um, but uh, when we talk about encounters, we're talking about a meaningful scene um, that is not naturally part of plot, but is an encounter of some sort, a moment. Now, one of the things that we talk about in that is to make something a specific challenge or something to overcome, you know, whether it's combat, social, exploration, interactive, um, that we're, we're, we're testing the players in some way. And there has to be three parts of that um, to make it really good. And these are things that... Um, uh, that a lot of people go over, but Guy made a great job in his necessities for encounters. Um, and that is there are stakes, options, and triggers. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about stakes, we're talking about things that are not just life and death, but are for both sides, both the players and whatever the other side is, whether it's NPCs, environment, whatever. There should always be a stake mm-hmm. um, at handling. Oftentimes it is death, you know, but we sure. want to try and roll back from that of just maybe it's honor, maybe it's money, maybe it's respect could be any number of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your options, both on the player and the NPCs. They may not be prepared to attack the NPCs at this time. The NPCs may not be atta- prepared to ambush the PCs at this time, but they may set up an option to do something else. They may, you know, intimidation is a whole thing that takes time and presence uh, to do something right. Um, so you have to kind of play with that as well. And then you also have triggers, which is what does this trigger? Now, does this trigger something larger? Does it trigger a bar brawl? You know, this simple social encounter? Does it trigger someone else noticing them that mm-hmm. then leads into plot? Maybe maybe it's a bardic competition that catches the eye of a lord who now wants to see them in their own home, and then that leads into more plot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a reason and a trigger to step to the next thing. Um, and uh, we'll kind of get into that when we get into the environmental stuff as well. We'll, we'll kind of explain what kind of triggers can come off of those things to bring. Mm-hmm. Because Anytime you have an encounter, there has to be a reason for it, yes. whether that reason is plot and story or character growth and discovery. Yes. Uh, so we're talking tonight about environmental encounters, and yes. the environmental encounters are kind of um, kind of out of the scope of like your normal sort of encounters. Um, I mean, I think your your key to encounter encounter types uh, that we've already really talked about are your social encounters and your combat encounters. And combat encounters are usually, like, your big ones, you know. Um, especially because a lot of our players are, are uh, Dungeons & Dragons players. Dungeons & Dragons is a very heavily combat-oriented game. Um, so that's usually what you think of when you think of encounter design. Um, environmental encounters are a little bit different because they they don't really have the traditional antagonist that a lot of other encounters do. It's not man versus man. It is essentially man versus environment. There is an obstacle Mm -hmm. that you are needing to overcome, and that is the environment itself. Um, So some examples of this would be like traversing a treacherous swamp, Mm -hmm. um, climbing a mountain. Yep. I would agree. Uh, weathering a severe storm. Mm-hmm. Whether it be uh, rain on, on or foot blizzard or, on, yeah. or yeah, whatever. Uh, clearing rubble from a rock slide. That's a good one, yep. Uh, navigating a maze-like network of caverns. I think that those are all perfect examples. Um, 
And whenever we're dealing with something like that, it, it also can extend to other aspects of that. So it can be very simple. It can just literally be hunkering down. Mm-hmm. Like in a, like the, the the environmental situation could be happening outside the doors of an old inn that your group has put themselves inside of. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great role-playing and scenes can happen from within an environmental encounter. Keep that in mind. So you can have a whole social encounter that happens because of an environmental encounter. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have um, uh, triggers and events that are happening within there that are objects. Um, One of the coolest things that I love seeing um, is the... uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the movie now. I think it's The Deadly Seven, um, where they're all trapped are basically from a snowstorm. Okay. Uh, and it's it's just a bunch of people and their circumstances that bring them there. Oh, okay. And how the situation gets resolved because of who's all in the room. Because you can have a situation where like, oh yeah, your guys are all hunkering down, but also inside this inn is a guard and, and two prisoners who have to be brought to trial. Mm-hmm. So now you're in this old, decrepit inn that's that's been abandoned, mm-hmm. and it's you... And the three of them, okay. Yeah, you got to survive roll, the night. You roll from an from 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 a uh, environmental encounter mm-hmm. into a social encounter. Yeah, and the environmental encounter is what's happening on the outside. So players who don't want to deal with a social one or need to step out from that, you now have that environmental range right there, and mm-hmm. they know what the encounter is. Right, right. So, so don't think that this is a one part thing or another. It can be multiple, in it, and that's why it can be a persistent encounter that makes up the scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what? So. I think that the, the, the big thing about determining what is an environmental encounter, what makes it an encounter and not just a place that something takes place, um, is environments, you know, are, are, they're, they're obviously going to shape all of our encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, the story always has to take place somewhere. Agreed. You know? For me, it's that I always see in an environmental encounter, the environment is its own NPC. Exactly. It is, an, it is putting pressure on the events. The the environment is an active participant <laughs> in the encounter itself. Um, or in fact the only obstacle to get to, to you know yeah. to, to, to uh to conquer. <clears throat> um me. so environmental encounters uh they require um a suitably epic scale too. Like you can't just like it's raining outside is not an you know an environmental encounter. Like there is a blizzard that blacks out all, or, or I should say, white out, whites out all sight, you know, mm-hmm. past ten feet, and you are in a mountain pass. The snow is piling up high, and with every loud noise that occurs, you see little avalanches coming down the side of the mountain, which makes you afraid to do anything, you know, major or loud or uh, or, or you know to shake anything loose. Mm-hmm. That is an environmental encounter. You know, how are you going to make it through this mountain pass without either A, dying, die, uh, dying of exposure, or B, causing an avalanche and getting buried? You know, mm-hmm. are you going to be able to do that in time? Um, what are the stakes? Uh, is there something you're trying to get to? Yeah. You know, how there, long do you have a time span? Yeah. Is there a clock ticking on you getting through this mountain pass? Right. Um, maybe maybe it's just food. Like that's sure. that's one of the things that that I always see is, is that remember your stakes. If it's survival, it doesn't necessarily mean death, but it does mean dwindling resources. Mm-hmm. And like literally, you can start off the whole encounter by literally your survivalist, whoever's got the highest level of survival, opening their pack, not even having them do a roll. Just you open your pack and look inside as the wind howls, and you say, 
there's only three days worth of provisions in here. Yeah. After that, we've got to hunt. And looking around, there is nothing to hunt in this storm. Yep. Yep. Because because no, you're, you're the only fools, you know, stupid mm-hmm. enough to be out in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I used to play Skyrim quite a lot, mm-hmm. and um, after a while, I got into the modding community, mm-hmm. and I loaded up a mod called Frostfall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember you talking about this. Frostfall was. Um, uh, and, and I also had a, another another mod called uh, Realistic Needs. Um, and so the two of those together added in the need to eat, drink, sleep, and then Frostfall added in weather conditions and things like hypothermia and the need to find shelter and warm yourself by fires and such like that. It would go um, uh, all the way to like starting to like slow your character and like blurring your screen as you slowly started to freeze to death. And it was really neat. Um, and I remember playing around with this a little bit. And uh, at one point I was up in the, if, if anybody knows knows uh, Skyrim, uh, up in the, the northwest corner in the city of Windhelm. And I decided I was going to walk to the city of... Uh... Well, the, the bay. No, sorry. Time. I was in Winterhold. I needed to walk, walk to, to Windhelm. Windhelm. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. And it's really not, I mean, it's not that terribly far. Windhelm is basically just a little bit south of of, of Winterfell, but um, or in uh, I remember getting about halfway there and starting to freeze, and then I realized that there was no shelter around, and it started to become a little bit desperate, and like I got attacked by some wolves, <coughs> and then I found like a little cave. But I couldn't get any further into the cave because there was a special locked door there. Mm-hmm. And, like, the little dinky torches that were in there weren't warming me up any. Yeah. And so it was really just, like, forestalling my hypothermia. Yeah. And then I eventually decided to just make a run for it. Right. And I was, like, frostbitten all to hell when I got to uh, – when I finally got to Windhelm. And I came in around the wrong side of the north end of the town. Okay. The entrance is on the south side. And then along the east side, there's a bay. There's a port, like water. It's water, yeah. And what happens when you're in subarctic temperatures and you dive in the water? Hypothermia. Instant hypothermia. Right. Um, and I thought I could make this jump, and I didn't. And I landed in the water, and I I almost died. Like Trying to get into just town. Try, just trying to get into town. Like, And what I, what, the, the reason I'm telling the story is mm-hmm. because I literally walked... And fought some wolves. Yeah. And that was it. But it was exciting. But that was some of the most fun I have ever had playing Skyrim in my entire life. Yeah. Because the stakes were so high, mm-hmm. you know? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the environment itself didn't just become a bunch of, like, pretty pictures around mm-hmm. me. It became my adversary. Yeah. You know? Everything around me, every step I took was vital. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's that sort of excitement you can get out of environmental encounters if you do them right. And I think that's what you're talking about is how that encounter transpired, what challenges were there, and how those challenges were constantly met with a level of excitement and a level of concern. Mm -hmm. You knew the risks. The Mm -hmm. risks stacked. So the costs were getting higher and higher. And so it was like, are we going to go? So it feels like a combat encounter gone sideways. Oh, it does. Where you're like, you're confident at the beginning of this that we're going to do just fine. And as you're slowly whittled down, you're like, this is not. There's that tipping point where you go, oh, God, I might not do this. Right. You know? (laughs) Like, what's going to happen next? Uh Uh-huh. Like, if I don't survive this, am I going to, in your case, am I going to have to go all the way back? Am I going to respawn at the old place? Mm Mm-hmm. 
oh, crap, like, how am I going to get to the new place? Like, right. I can't travel. Like, that's the whole thing. Well, i got to prepare better, you know? Right. But I think the atm- leaning into the atmosphere is a big part of that. And that is part of the environmental encounters is understanding the atmosphere of the area so that you can create the sounds, the feel, the words that are necessary mm-hmm. so that people know what is going on around them. It's a really great place because you you don't you don't have all the distraction of like combat mechanics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's a really great place to like throw in some dramatic music. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's appropriate, throw in some props. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen um, I've seen storytellers uh, use like hourglasses mm-hmm. where they you know if if it like there's an immediacy to what's yeah. going on. You know you've got one minute to decide what your character does. Go, you know yeah. Um, that can be a little high pressure for some groups, so use that one at discretion. But yeah, I would heavily, I'd heavily concern yourself with your group about timing because I know certain players don't think well under pressure. Yeah, and that, and that and that can detract from the fun. But if if you do have one of those groups that enjoys that sort of thing, that's something you can do. You know, um, but get really descriptive with what is going on in the environment. Really get your players to feel what the environment is like. So that they can be there and be present in it and feel every bit of it. So what else? Uh, so another thing, and, and this is uh, kind of goes back to where you don't have a bunch of combat mechanics bogging down uh, the gameplay and such like that. Mm-hmm. You can really give your your players the chance to shine. Mm-hmm. Environmental encounters are not cut and dry. No. You know, they're not, there's, there's, there's very rarely ever like any solid rules for how to run them in a game system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you can do is you can kind of play a little fast and loose with the character's skills, maybe the character's backgrounds, maybe yeah. some of the weird esoteric pieces of equipment they've got sitting in their bags. Mm-hmm. Like I noticed, um, when I was going over, uh, Ravana's character sheet, my, mm-hmm. uh, my wizard in your game that I have a hunting trap in there. Yep. Now, if we got caught out in a blizzard. Obviously, first off, Ravana would be fine. Yeah. But second off, if we needed to forge for food, I've got a hunting trap in there. Mm-hmm. Whenever would I ever use that, that 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 hunting trap, other than maybe like if we were stranded out in the middle of nowhere and we needed to catch something. Yeah. And and a point to to be made there is, uh-huh. yeah, Ravana would be fine. But if she had four popsicles that she had to handle, they'd be screwed. Yeah. And then if something came and attacked. Hmm. You only have so much magic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and it starts tilting the scale really quick. And so yeah. a very easy encounter can become very complicated yeah. very quickly. One of the things that I thought was funny was uh, there was uh, somebody who had written about a mountain encounter. Mm-hmm. And one of the players had flight, had the ability to fly. They had okay. the spell fly. Um, so they weren't concerned about um, the uh, about falling. And, 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 you know, whatever off the mountain. So they were climbing and like every time that they would have around there, like each day they would just cast flight and handle it. Well, they finally did get to an environmental encounter where there was high winds. Mm-hmm. And so the players are using the ropes and their pitons. This person is not, you know, they're, they're holding the ropes and stuff, but it's, you know, but they're not, you know, they're like, I can fly. It's not that big of a deal until the wind has a force. So now they're off the edge of the cliff blown around like a rag doll because mm-hmm. they have nothing to hold on to except the rope and so they have to hold on to that rope or just be launched and just becomes a strength check <laughs> right and the other group is trying to keep them closer to the mountain because at some point in the day that's gonna go away mm-hmm. and they're gonna fall <laughs> yep absolutely yeah, and one of the greatest lines that came out of that was, tie it around your waist. Why? So we can find your body when you fall and slam into the rocks. 
you uh, stupid wizard. And that, that was the answer. <laughs> yep. Uh, but like little, little things that your, your characters can use. I mean, aside from obviously like the traps or their flight spell or something like that, um, you, you might have a massive survival check, uh, on your character, uh, for, you know, for the ranger or the druid, mm-hmm. um, use that. The wizard with their massive intelligence and possibly eidetic memory might remember the complicated pattern of the maze in the caverns and be able to navigate them. Yeah. This isn't a dungeon. It's not traps or anything like that. Yeah. But like sometimes caverns just wind really weird. You yeah. Know? Um, a frost-resistant character mm-hmm. uh, might uh, be the only one who's able to venture out into the blizzard yeah. to find food. But they may not be the best fighter. But they may not be the best fighter, exactly. Or, or the best at picking things. So um, you also want to really reward ingenuity. Um, yeah, I agree. Because, again, these aren't really encounters where uh, you have, like, you know, set rules for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are just kind of things you're going to be kind of making up on the fly to allow the players to showcase their... Uh, uh, their skills. So if the players are like, we, we all know if we, if you've run more than one game of, of any game whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know that you're no matter how well you think you've got your campaign planned, mm-hmm. your players are going to come up with something yep. that is completely off left field from mm-hmm. what you thought they were going to do. And they're going to try to execute it. Yeah, totally. This is a place where you can absolutely let them do that. I would agree. I would totally this is agree. It's a great place to let them come up with wacky, off-the-wall suggestions. If it's even close to reasonable, let them do it. Yeah. Because two things are going to happen. First off, this is going to reward them for their ingenuity. It's going to make them feel really great mm-hmm. for, for coming up with that. And it's going to create a lot of lasting memories. Yeah. You know, your player's going to walk away from that table not remembering the time that they thought they had a good plan and the DM said no. Mm-hmm. They're going to remember that time that they came up with that one plan and it worked. Yeah. And pulled their bacon out of the fire. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. And they're going to be high-fiving each other. Another thing that I, I want to put on that ingenuity is not just solving their way out of the problem, but also coming up with side play. And that's where players can sometimes really get crazy with their ideas. For instance, if they're at that inn and one of the players is just like, you know, looks at, you know, says, uh, are there cups and stuff? I'm like, yeah, there's, there's like old tankards and things. They're a little dirty and such, but they could get cleaned up with like a rag. All right. All right. Marcus, yeah. You know that uh, princess you've been trying to court? Yeah. Let's say she's come to a bar. We're going to help you with your courtmanship. And, like, the rogue gets up and, like, hey, I got... Hold on a second. He pulls out her wig, puts it on, sits down at the bar. Oh, I wonder if I can get a drink here. And they do a whole scene on their own. Mm -hmm. Let them roll with that. Let them role play it out. Because that's the kind of stuff you want to see. And your game is where your players are playing with each other. That they're creating the story with them. You know, and that, that that you can add elements into that scene, give them props, give them moments, flavor it up a little bit, you know, and then let that situation move forward, but let it still be an environmental encounter as well. That's part of what's going on in that scene so that they feel that you didn't just leave them hanging to do their own thing, that there's still elements of the world touching in there and that that NPC that is the environment is still alive and kicking. Until they're done with the scene. Mm-hmm. But let them run with it. Let them have some fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let them get into an argument between characters mm-hmm. about things. Let them, you know, like, start things off with with how upset they are about the previous fight the way it went. Or mm-hmm. maybe someone stole something that they shouldn't have stole. Maybe not from their own group, but maybe somebody else's. You know, you get things like that happening in closed spaces. People get tight 
with their uh, with their words, and that can sometimes make for a lot of in, ingenious in, in, ingenious ideas. I remember I remember telling the story before of uh, Ravana's introduction to the party, mm-hmm. uh, where she was hired as a mountain guide specifically to get through wintry areas like that up mm-hmm. in the mountains. Uh, and the first thing she did was, uh, and mind you, this is dealing with uh, the king of the elves and and her consort. Um, so I, I, first time this little peasant girl is dealing with royalty. And she, she says, all right, everybody go get your cold weather gear and uh, stand here in the middle of the, uh, you know, come, come meet me in the middle of, uh, of, of the courtyard in 15 minutes. So everybody goes and gets bundled up. She comes back and she says, okay, is everybody, is everybody bundled up the way that you would be, the way that you're going up into the north? Yes, yes, we are. All right. And she casts Sleet Storm on them. Mm-hmm. And that's all that I did. And, of course, every player in the group took it upon themselves to roleplay what would happen if they just got caught in a Sleet Storm. So, you know, one of our friends is going, Ah, oh, fluff! That was... What What the heck was that? Ah, oh, that was awful! I'm like, oh, are you miserable? Yeah! Then you need better gear. Mm-hmm. And I walked off. Yep. I mic-dropped and walked yep. off. Yep. And they were like... Oh, oh, she's right. Mm-hmm. Gosh darn it. Mm-hmm. I said, because that was five seconds of the worst stuff that you're going to have uh, every other day yep. up where we're going. Yep. Um, and then all these games later, we get up into those mountains finally. Mm-hmm. And same character complaining about being cold. And what did I do? <laughs> I reminded that character, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. It's been a bit, but it's, you talked about it's this. It's been a bit, but we talked about this. <laughs> Indeed you did. Indeed you did. So, you know, you get, you get, you get memorable role-playing experiences out of those. Totally, um, totally. All right, so lastly, the thing you need to remember, and, and we, we talked about this before, uh, of the um, the stakes, mm-hmm. is, you know, consider the consequences of the environmental encounter. Right. Okay? Environmental encounters are encounters because they have the ability to alter the story. Right. Otherwise, they're just a scene. Correct. Okay? They, they require some input from the characters. They mm-hmm. require some challenges that may or may not pass. Mm-hmm. And the success or failure of those things may alter the story. So, like any other type of encounter, um, you definitely want to have stakes for your failure. Um, typically, these aren't going to be as dire as combat encounters, but you could die if things go poor enough. I don't sure. know. I mean, it depends on how, how bad you want your, your encounters to go. Um, f- some some examples of good consequences for, for encou- environmental encounters. Uh, maybe failure to navigate the swamp in an mm-hmm. efficient way, leads you into combat encounters you would have otherwise avoided. Mm-hmm. And that expends time and resources and potentially puts you in danger of dying, depending on how those combat encounters go. Right. Or it brings you closer to people that you weren't prepared to see. Exactly. Um, maybe failure to get through the snowy mountain pass in time loses you two days of travel while you're snowed in. So you need to shelter down. Mm-hmm. You consume some resources and such like that. But... That's two days that you're not there, and you can't deliver a vital message in time, or you can't come to someone's aid in time. Right. So instead of coming to the town just as they're being attacked, you come in a day to after. To the wreckage of the attack. Right. Yep. And people demanding to know, where were you? Yep. Um, maybe being unable to navigate the storm at sea throws you off course and requires you to detour. Uh, to replenish dwindling supplies so you don't perish at sea. Or worse yet, you have to go steal supplies. Mm-hmm. Because so you're in food and water. You're in a hazardous area and well, it's either plunder another ship or Yep. Or or, or go port at a very, very sketchy place. Tortuga. That's right. Hi, Tortuga. <laughs> um 
Now, some of you may notice, too, that, uh, I know we mentioned this earlier, is that um, environmental encounters dovetail very nicely with combat encounters. They can be just another NPC. Um, they can they can complicate an existing encounter, or they can lead into a combat encounter. Correct in in favor of or or, or against the PCs. Mm-hmm. I want that very clear. Sometimes an environmental encounter actually aids the PCs. Mm-hmm. And there's our turtle reference. Yep. Knox pointed out. Yep, it's true. Um, so, for instance. Um, um, more of an uh, add-on to a combat encounters than uh, than strict environmental encounter. Um, you can you can factor them kind of together. Uh, having combat take place during inclement weather conditions, like in harsh environments, can mm-hmm. change the a routine combat encounter into a memorable one. Yeah, so I mean, you could have a boarding action between two ships that seems you know relatively perfectly normal, but what happens if it happens in the eye of a storm? Uh huh. Or, or uh, between two ships that are literally frozen on a, on a lake that's now breaking because it's, you know, so you've got ice down below, but it exactly. also may be frozen water. So anybody who falls off the ship may break through the ice and I mean, never be seen. I haven't break through the ice, but just hitting ice cold water like yeah. that is yeah. a danger in and of itself. We talked yeah. about instant hypothermia earlier. Yeah. Um, space is another thing that we don't really talk about much but space encounters in ships or airlocks or areas like that where if something goes through the wall you're both staring at it and not very happy with that tiny hole growing oh yeah yeah (laughs) you know you're losing oxygen you can hear the oxygen alert going off every eva is a is is an environmental encounter (laughs) yeah i think that uh um What's the the expanse? the expanse? Does a great yeah. job of environmental encounters affecting combat encounters. Mm-hmm. You know, because a, sh- a ship blew up nearby. You know, in three turns, that's going to be a shrapnel storm. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. Um. And that was another thing is that um. Think of a battlefield, uh, that the group is moving through as an environmental encounter. Yeah. That's so an if you've got to get from yes. point to point, and there's battle going on around you, that's an environmental encounter. So. Hmm. Because arrows going to be flying, straight Debris, swords, walls falling down, siege weapons, maybe siege gear. Yeah, you know, random spells. Uh huh. You know, oh yeah, someone's casting like I don't know, like a uh, sleet storm. There's a uh, there's a there's a great scene. Uh, you remember the movie Children of Men? Vaguely. Uh, it's a really really great movie, and uh, there's a there's a, a nine minute long scene I want to say that was done in one cut. Oh, which oh, and I oh, I just that's one of my like little my mm-hmm. things. Like I yeah. love amazing takes like that in cinematography. But the entire thing essentially is um, who is the star of that movie? It's on the tip of my tongue, but um, something in the live chat. Who's who was the star of of uh, Children of Men? Clive Owen. Okay, Clive Owen. Never mind. Got it. Thank you, live chat. Um, <laughs> where Clive Owen is essentially just trying to traverse a battlefield. Yes. Okay. It's nine minutes of environmental encounter. Yeah. Because there's there's gunfire he's mm-hmm. got to dodge by. Nobody's nobody's trying to shoot him necessarily. Yeah. There's he, just a fight. There's no primary protagonist or antagonist that's shooting at him or anything like that. It's literally just a battlefield. It's just a battlefield. There's explosions going mm-hmm. off. There's gunfire going off. There's uh, collapsed buildings that he's got to climb through, things like that. It's a perfect example of an environmental encounter. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And... The other thing that uh, that I like in in other stories, for instance, uh, if you take something like Shadowrun, mm-hmm. if you're inside of an apartment building having a gunfight with somebody, there are other people who live in that apartment yeah. complex, and you're going to have to deal with that. Plus, you might have to deal with stairwells and broken up other things and buildings and parts and stuff falling around. 
that happens. Yes, it does. That's going to happen around you. Um, uh, and another thing is if you're chasing someone through a town, an environmental encounter is the town. Is the town. Is, is is the crowded streets. Mm-hmm. Is the is the alleyways. Yeah. Is the Assassin's Creed does that really well mm-hmm. as a game, is that as you're trying to chase someone down, you may be moving from building to building or across things, and there are just people there. And yeah. you have to get through those people to get to where you're going. Mm-hmm. So uh now, keeping in mind also that smart enemies will also use the environment to their advantage. Sneaky foes uh, may come in during darkness or fog or obscuring rain. Uh, Foes that are suited to cold weather may attack during the blizzard. Uh, Aquatic or amphibious foes may ambush in a wet environment and use uh, their mobility through the water and their ability to breathe underwater to their advantage. You know, think of like those Navy SEALs, you know, uh, scenes you see where Mm -hmm. like all of a sudden silently they just come up from the blackness of the water and they're there. You can do a lot of great things. You can. Uh, And and remember, those of you playing Dungeons and Dragons, undead don't breathe. You can hide them under lakes and rivers indefinitely. Yeah, I I, I think that there's a lot of great scenes in movies that we forget about with the the sirens who draw people to the water and then the souls that take them under. Uh Uh-huh. And all you gotta do is grapple. That's it. Yep. And well, that, that water becomes a real big complication all of a sudden mm-hmm, for you. Mm-hmm. Um, water I, becomes scary. I like the idea of like the fog or the darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, using stealth encounters there. Yeah. Um, but keeping in mind too, your heroes can do that as well. Yeah. Like you can have an environmental encounter where, or an environmental complication for a combat encounter where the heroes attack during fog and it may harm your archer's ability to see but like your rogue is going to have advantage on every stealth roll mm-hmm. you know um the <laughs> lizard folk that you've got in your group who's mm-hmm. like when am i ever going to use my water breathing mm-hmm. well guess what if you design an encounter for them to you know they're going to feel great about being all of a sudden some yeah. amphibious assassin mm-hmm. for one whole scene you know you pulling know? people into the water and killing them silently with yep. with, with a rogue right next to them you know uh, just all of a sudden excels in that environment yep. um characters that can fly mm-hmm. all of a sudden become really great when the floor is nothing but 3 feet of sucking mire mm-hmm. in in a in a swamp yeah. um and it's difficult terrain for everybody everybody's slogging around um, uh, treetop to treetop fighting from really high acrobatic characters. Mm-hmm. You know, now you've got a scene where the ground is literally too sticky and, and movement is terrible because it's all wet and muddy and mucky. So it's all considered heavy terrain, uh, that would slow you. And now you've got these very dexterous characters who are going limb to limb and moving through branches and, and trying to not fall from 30 foot ha- you know, tall trees Mm -hmm. as also you know as they move through an area that's trying to attack them yep you know spider attacks from up above yep you know because once you're underground they're yours exactly you know exactly but yeah yeah really neat stuff that you can do and and you you had put in here um the the concept of uh uh, of of making it cinematic which i love i love doing cinematic stuff encounters are cinematic as there was a neat scene that that reminded me of that uh i wanted to pull off uh Mm -hmm. with you guys in the first uh season of my game my D &D game Mm -hmm. where you were in an old castle and the the whole thing changed in the way you guys were doing it uh that was uh ruse's place Mm -hmm. uh where you guys kind of uh figured things out um but uh and the whole mirrors thing came out of it but one of the things was that that there was going to be this hallway of doors 
and archways, you know, old stone archway doors. And as you were going through, some of them were open and would lead into rooms. Some of them were closed off. Uh, and as you pass one of them looking in, you'd see that it was a, it, the archway was a mirror. And you're like, oh, like, and you could see yourself in it. Well, it's not. It was mm-hmm. actually going to be a, a a mystical illusion mm-hmm. that would, as soon as someone came to the mirror, would draw them into the room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now, now you've got this whole grapple fight going on in the room of someone who looks like them, you know, uh, of a mirror image. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so now you've got a whole problem with the group, like, okay, who's who's who? I'm honestly, I'm glad you brought up the mirror thing, because uh, uh, what, I, what I jotted down here in the notes um, is uh, the mirror knight from uh, Dark Souls 2. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people didn't play Dark Souls 2. Right. Um, I, I, I played it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's one fight in there against this, this character called the Mirror Knight. Mm-hmm. And, um, or looking, looking Glass Knight? I think it's Mirror Knight. Continue. Um, regardless, though, it's a pretty run-of-the-mill fight. He's just a big guy in armor with a sword. Um, he's got a, a, a mirrored shield that can, sh- like, at certain points during the fight, spits out illusions. Um, that you have to also basically, uh, they're, they're ads on the fights. You just have to fight them too. Um, but it's really nothing special, but what does make that encounter so epic is that this whole time you've been going through this castle and Mm -hmm. when you finally get out onto this balcony where the mirror knight is, there is a thunderstorm going on. Mm. And so you're fighting this gigantic armored dude that is calling these mirror illusions out to fight you during this torrential downpour with these dramatic flashes of lightning and the mm-hmm. music playing in the background. And yeah. like all of a sudden now you're just like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. The other, the other thing is, is you can create an environment that is also for your PCs, meaning letting them know that they're succeeding by doing the same thing. Whereas lightning flashes and in the distance, which was now darkness as night, they mm-hmm. see a figure standing there waiting, like yes. in, a, in, a, in a, like a waiting position. And they're like, Oh, they're here. The, the you know, the others are here. You know, or or a whole army that was approaching when the lightning flashes again, they're gone. Yeah. Like, they're just bodies litter that section of the field. And you're like, what the heck just killed all of those people over there? And then, like, the light flashes again. And, like, now you have an assassins group that you guys were good friends with just show up out of the darkness next to you mm-hmm. for a moment. And then the lightning flashes, they're gone. And you're like, okay, you guys did your job. Thank you so much. Yep, you know, kind of yep, thing. Yep. All right. So we talked a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> about about environmental encounters. Yes. Um, so we we also want to talk about extended encounters because extended encounters are kind of akin to environmental encounters. Environmental encounters yeah. are basically just extended encounters that take place because of the environment. Right. Right. Um, extended encounters, though, are more your generic things. A lot of times, extended encounters are going to be initiated by the player party. Right. Um, but they're Basically just kind of those open-ended um, encounters where you, you ask for feedback from your from your group, allow them to flex their skills and to do a specific task. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so what are we talking about? Um, so we mentioned earlier, like, chasing a thief through busy city streets. Mm-hmm. Um, forging a complicated magical weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, navigating open waters on a ship where everybody on the ship has to kind of do their own part. Mm-hmm. Um, or executing an elaborate con or thieving job. I'd also say, um, like the A-team montages are a good one for yeah. that as well. Yeah. Um, where they're all working together to create a goal, mm-hmm. you know, to finish something off. Um, or, uh, or a couple of day process. Like, you're like, well, we've got five days. 
can we can we defend this place? I don't know. Let's let's get the people involved, and you move through that extended scene. Exactly. It's so these are supposed to be more like montage abstractions. Like you're not really going to go on a turn basis like this. Yeah. It's not a measured amount of time. Right. You might say the whole process takes like an hour or something like that, but like there's no set time for like what Rob's turn is or for mm-hmm. what Sarah's turn is. Yeah. It could be. Know? It could be hours. It could be a whole day. Right. I mean, I did that for you guys when you went to uh, went back to the city of Plunkerton, mm-hmm. and you guys were like, "Well, we need to get this thing place up and running again and get the tribe back here." And I'm like, "All right, let's do an extended scene." And I literally gave you each vignettes, yep. and then you guys paired up as teams, and one of you would say what was going on, and the other one would say how it ended. Yes, and there were roles involved, yep. whether it was successful or not. And I thought that was that was great. Yeah, you gave us a chance to kind of. Um speak something into the universe mm-hmm. so basically whatever we said went relatively yeah w- it, within within some certain reason mm-hmm. um and then uh you know and it, it, it kind of became canon mm-hmm. so that they gave us a little bit of time to to do some storytelling ourselves yep um there were some complications mm-hmm. uh there were some roles but basically over the course of these montages we kind of got this ma- this machine city mm-hmm. back up and, and sort of running again yeah. with with some people some residents yeah yeah and there were some some good outcomes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what makes these sort of things unique? Uh, so, like I said, they're they're basically a lot like environmental encounters. They're a great place for your players to use their um, their unique, unconventional ways, um, or to showcase special skills that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, did the fighter always want to be a blacksmith? Did they write it in their in their their character sheet or their mm-hmm. backstory that they want to be a blacksmith? Well, guess what? Here's your chance. We're going to be smithing this weapon. Allow him to make the roles for it, you know? Um, is the rogue an ex-Thieves Guild member uh, that knows the city streets blindfolded? Maybe he knows some hidden ways to cut off the target that you're chasing. Um, does someone have an extra reputation with the locals? Uh, maybe they can call in favors to assist in the task in some way, you know? Uh, cashing in good deeds that they've done in the past for tangible benefit. We go on these, these, these uh, in, um, adventures all the time. We talk about reputation. Um, this is a great way to kind of, uh, say like, Hey, you know, we've got this reputation. Why don't we ask for some favors in return? You know, other than gold, maybe, right. maybe somebody can ask some questions for us. Maybe somebody can solve some problems for us in during these extended encounters. That's a great place to use this sort of thing. I, I would agree. I've, I've seen extended encounters used for travel, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's multiple locations that are yeah. irrelevant. Like, hey, we know the map. Like, we've been here to here to here to here to here, and now we're way over on the other end of the map. Yep. We want to we backtrack about a month and a half back to this town. Great. Yeah, you could just say it took you this long to travel there, but you could also do montages through that. Sure. And do an extended encounter through that scenario mm-hmm. if you don't have anything particular that you, you want to deal with. It's just a matter of them getting to that point. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. The stakes for um in uh, extended encounters are generally a lot less dire yeah. um, than like either your environmental encounters or obviously a combat encounter. Right. Uh, but you can st- – but again, these are still encounters. So you can mm-hmm. still significantly alter the story mm-hmm. uh, through these encounters. For instance, uh, forging a magical weapon with blacksmithing skills of the dwarf, uh, the magical skill of the wizard, and the dexterity for precise rune carvings of the rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, while the cleric praised, uh, praised for their endurance to get through the grueling 14-hour ritual without faltering, mm-hmm. you know? Um, if the forging succeeds, the party has a new and potentially very powerful magical weapon. Mm-hmm. It might have a very specific uh, purpose. 
you know, specifically killing a god or something like that. Right. Or it might just be, hey, it's a new plus one keen longsword or something, you know? But one way or another, though, they've done this encounter, they've put the work in, they've made this thing, and that's going to significantly alter the story in the the future. Right. If it fails, nobody dies. Right. But maybe the party has wasted time. Mm Mm-hmm. They've possibly wasted a rare magical component in the forging. Yep. They may have to go and get these sort of things again. It may just mm-hmm. cost them more than more than gold. Yep. yep. You know? Um, and like we said earlier, keeping, keeping in mind that like a montage or an abstraction like this means that it's not measured in discrete rounds. Yeah. Um, so the skill checks and the role playing that takes place over the course of a period is a course of a period of time. Not in initiative order. Right. There can still be losses. And keep in mind that in larger campaigns, when players have followers or they have, um, they need guides or something else to maybe take them through an area, there's nothing to say that those people don't get injured mm-hmm. and, and have their own sets of losses beyond the, the party. Mm-hmm. And that right there can, can feel like a weighted cost and can definitely be a reputational cost. You know, especially if it's, you know, the group wants to get through this area. Okay, well, we're going to pay for guides and a caravan and guards and stuff. Great. Um, You know, you guys do all that. You know this is a dangerous area, you know, and then you set up some survival roles. You do some ambush checks and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you say, yep, you guys made it. Uh, Two of the caravans were burned and you lost six of your uh, ten guards uh, and uh, two coach drivers and your cook. But you've made it. Oh, those are some bad (laughs) roles. things happen yeah you know and now those people are worried about that area and in fact stories are now being told about that journey how perilous it was and now some merchants won't even take that distance because of what happened yep so there's all kinds of other forms of outcomes that you have to kind of keep in mind and later on somebody may see those players like oh you were involved in the uh the mishapen caravan that happened hmm yeah that costs a lot in our area. Why would you ever take that trick? Right, right. You know, that was a risky thing to have done. You know, and now the person who's your leader of your group, maybe trying to become a noble, is looked a little differently because they're risky. Oh, we're and they going took down chances. that path? You mean yeah. the path of perils? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, yeah, knocks on the box in the live chat says, oh, God, look, an Oregon Trail update from hell. I mm. died of dysentery. Yes. <laughs> All right. So how do you run Extended Encounters? Um, for me, it's a matter of setting up what the players are looking to do. If mm-hmm. it is something that you're handing to them, giving them a base scenario of what the options are, mm-hmm. uh, and then letting them explore it, letting them have a little ingenuity and meta in it, and then developing very quickly what the requirements for each one of them might be. Yes, exactly. And setting basic thresholds. Sometimes games give you that very plainly. I mean, D&D does a pretty good job in most cases of doing it, but there's nothing to say that if players come to up with the idea that they want to do something that's in the book that has a mechanic system that you just can't find, you you, you shouldn't just put something on the fly together. Mm-hmm. You know, work with standard challenge ratings and, and give them an option. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, the other thing, too, is, you know, again, this is a great place to allow them to be creative. Mm-hmm. You know, don't... Obviously, if, if it's too far out of the box, you might want to incur some penalties because... Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 want to use the right tool for the job, but don't penalize them for for using ingenuity. Right. But you know, if you try to you know pound in hammers or, or pound, pound in nails with, uh, oh, I don't know, a fish, yeah, it's gonna that's that's gonna be a pretty difficult task. That's not ingenuity at that point. That's just stupidity. Right. Right. But think think again at that. 
not all groups are created equal and mm-hmm. not all situations. They're not going to be a perfect A-team in the way that they do things. Right. But they may still get it done. So think about it, the difference between the A-team and, like, uh, the, uh, uh, oh, God, uh, Three Amigos. Mm-hmm. You know, where they still defended the town and they got everything done that they needed to do because they used Amigos, 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 you know, uh-huh. and, and had everybody. So, and that's the kind of thing that can happen out of those scenarios is you can say, you know, oh, well, we want to do this to defend the town. And the, oh, the town people are just a bunch of farmers and, and sewers. Like they, they, they make fabrics and you're like, they do what now? And so one of the, maybe one of the players is a, you know, is a bard who has a lot of knowledge in clothing. Like their family mm-hmm. are, are clothiers. They're like, you can do what now? Hmm. Have do you have anything that's really light, like wispy, like a wraith? Yeah, we could we could definitely make something silky. Mm-hmm. I have an idea, and let them run. Yeah, you never know what you could come back with. I I would say during during extended encounters like this, it's better to say yes than to say no, because you're going to get some really memorable situations out yes. of saying yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, keep the roles light yes. and keep the role play and description heavy Mm -hmm. um remember this is an abstraction okay you don't need to bog the play down with minute details one role per player is more than sufficient um assume that everyone is doing their best to overcome the obstacles so basically uh you know someone says okay well i want to go out and i want to explore the ruins of the city uh i want to you know look around to see if there's any like machines that i can get up and running again and maybe use my my arcane knowledge to see you know if i recognize the energy sources on them and and you know power them back up okay now some people would say okay give me a search check or give me an investigation check and give me a survival check and give me an arcana check and give you know no no that's just too much one arcana check it's good all right cool Here's your positive outcome. You recognize that the crystals are, in fact, arcane batteries. Mm-hmm. You get the machines whirring back up. You realize that they actually generate force fields. And that, now that you've recognized that, you can go around the town repairing these things, and boom, the ruins of the town now have this force field that, that, that can go up around it. Yep. Neat. One mm. roll. Yep. It's just some role play. Yep. But it changed the story. It, it changed did. the environment. And it made the player feel good about about their input there and it gives them also a visual of what they're finding exactly um so just you know allow them allow them to describe how they want to uh give their input to the extended encounter and then just make one role based on it two at absolute most but honestly i think i think one really suffices honestly keep it keep it light yeah a lot of people ask um especially for travel encounters like how many survival checks should i be doing how many uh you know if they're getting ambushes how much perception should i make these people be rolling and realistically what it comes down to is whatever makes your group happiest Mm -hmm. so if your group is a dice group that you know that likes seeing successes and failures and what it means, make sure that each of your players gets a role. Mm-hmm. If you've got someone who isn't contributing vocally, maybe it's just that an off night for them. Maybe it's, you know, maybe they're just a quiet person who really isn't, you know, isn't light on their feet with ideas all the time. Maybe they, they don't matter, but they love the story and they love being there and they add a lot to the game just for being there. There's nothing to say that you can't ask them for a role. Mm-hmm. And then, Explain with them how that adds to the group. 
exactly. to keep them engaged. So you, with extended encounters and, and that type of thing, you can add those people back into the game. But you have to know a little bit about their character. And it's always good to have their character sheets in front of you. Yes. Uh, you know, if you can, uh, either digitally or physically, um, so that you can see what their abilities are to be able to push them into the game. Mm-hmm. And make sure that they're available. Last but not least, never forget that you can always add personal items to each one of these things, whether it's an extended or whether it's a uh, an environmental, to bring those characters into the game. Yeah, and make them feel like, oh, my character's here, not just my player. Absolutely. So, uh, no, keep in mind um, group uh, group successes. Okay, mm-hmm. so everybody may be contributing their own individual roles and stuff like that, and individual roles may or may not may not succeed. Uh, but your your group is trying to succeed at this encounter mm-hmm. as a whole. Okay, mm-hmm. everybody's roles are going into a uh, uh, in, into a pool essentially, and remember that partial success is a viable option. You know, not everybody needs to succeed at their role, and if everybody maybe not everyone passes their check, maybe the weapon gets forged, but the enchantment didn't take. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a perfectly viable enchantable sword that doesn't have an enchantment on it. You just got to retry that part, yep. you know, um, maybe the thief escaped, but the party gains valuable clues into seeing where he, where, where he went into hiding I like or that. perhaps in the, in the, 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 the skirmish of it all, he dropped a valuable clue as to who he was working for. I love those ideas. Um, maybe building the base camp isn't 100% secure, but at, at least it'll count as shelter. Mm-hmm. Even if the walls aren't completely built and will keep things out, you know? Yep. Uh, maybe the ship reaches its destination safely, but the crew is exhausted uh, after such a, you know, from rations or seasickness. Because mm-hmm. everything didn't go, quite go as planned. Um, generally, if half or more of your players succeed, the encounter should have some tangible success condition to it. I agree. Uh, you worked for it. You succeeded at least mostly. Give it to them, you know? Yep. Um, in some success can mitigate failure as well. So if less, if you still get less than half, but at least some of your party members succeed, maybe dampen the consequences due to that one player's success. Yeah. Um, it makes the players feel less helpless, and the player who succeeded has at least something to show for their efforts. Very good idea. So. I agree. All right. Thus, end of the lesson. Yes. Let's get some questions before we run out of time here. All right. So what happens, this is Knox who said this one, what happens when we combine environmental and extended encounters? So chasing the thief through a swampland, do you choose one story mechanic over the other to focus on or engage it as a super difficult marriage of two? I don't necessarily say that it has to be super difficult, but I do think it should be a marriage of the two. It's definitely a marriage of the two. I think you concentrate on the chasing the thief mm-hmm. because that's the most dynamic aspect of it. The swamp is just kind of there. It's still part of the scene. I think it's the breathing part of the scene, mm-hmm. but it is still part of the extended scene. Yes, it definitely makes a complication. So yeah, you folk. I would say focus on the thief mm-hmm. and and complicate it with the swamp, much like you would for a combat encounter. Yep. Um, but beyond that, I, I said I wouldn't overcomplicate it or make it super difficult unless there was a necessity for it. Meaning, like the players were hunting someone down, mm-hmm. and that person definitely would not be someone who wanted to be caught. Yeah. Then, then I might add some levels of difficulty with the environment. So, uh, all right. Uh, so, Overwatch. Uh, Overwatch asks: uh, There's a history of iconic environmental and extended encounters, uh, the Dead Marshes, mm-hmm. the whole planet from Pitch Black. I love Excellent that planet. one. 
uh, the Bog of Eternal Stench. Yeah, nice one. A MacGyver building scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, are there any tricks to really making tabletop encounters like that memorable for the players? I think we talked about a lot of them. Mm-hmm, definitely. Already. Um, I think what each one of these that you've listed before, the Dead Marshes, the Planet from Pitch Black, the Bog of Eternal Stench, um, I think what are, the things that those all have in common is that they're some sort of a, a mundane environment that's taken to some level of an extreme. Okay. Um, one of the tips that we provided earlier tonight was make them suitably epic. Yes. You know, snowfall isn't a problem. A blizzard in a mountain pass is a problem. Yeah, to, to take it up a notch. And again, it doesn't have to be a deadly blizzard, but it's a blizzard which cuts down vision or cuts down sound. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things. Affect the senses. That is one of the first things you can do is affect the senses. Two, if it needs to be scary, make it scary or make it bright or make it uh, make put it to put something to an extreme. Um, even if something, even if they're at a uh, a simple thing like you don't necessarily have to be something really challenging. But if there's a thief in a crowd that is a a crowd of people at a carnival, mm-hmm. that's different. It's it's there's a lot of liveliness going on around them and movement, and that makes for a lot of distraction. Yep, and makes it hard to track somebody. Yep. I think the thing that I'm noticing about all the things that you've uh, uh, you've listed here is that um, there's something taken to the extreme, uh, like the Dead Marshes. That's uh, Lo- uh, um, Lord of the Rings, right? Correct. Okay, so uh, I just want to make sure I was thinking of the, the, the correct I, I think Dead that's Marshes. the one he's speaking of. Yes. Um, so what is that? That's a swamp, but it's a swamp filled with 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 hungry spirits. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if you stray off the path, they eat you. Yes. Okay. Um, the whole planet from Pitch Black. What's the complication? darkness yeah, it's a bit more than just darkness but but the darkness is filled with horrible carnivorous monsters so because again, that's when they hunt exactly that's when so, it's safe to hunt yeah so you've got to come up with some interesting things to combat not only your ability to not see but if you fail at that there are dire consequences yeah. a bog of eternal stench again it's a swamp but there are i would say lasting consequences, consequences. <laughs> if you dip one toe in it you will stink for an eternity exactly smell bad exactly everybody knows about it too yep. that's the other thing about these things is make it iconic by giving everybody a bit of knowledge about it i watched somebody one time hand out three by five cards before a scene about something so everyone knew something secret about uh-huh. it, a little rumor or something that's great that's a great idea actually yeah so they can bring it up in game yep um macgyver building scenes are another one like that is, is that you bring up random things out of packs that have meaning uh-huh so that's another good way of doing it so but uh yeah memorable is senses memorable is extremes memorable is uh simplicity Making yeah. making something visually simplistic and leaning into it, and it makes the stakes of the encounter very clear to your to your to your players. So it's not just oh you're in the darkness, great. Yeah. Now what? Well, there are carnivorous beasts in the darkness, so good yeah. luck with that. Yep. So next week topic, we are going to be talking about uh, a Halloween topic, which is using props to enhance your storytelling. Yep. Um, so using music, using candles, having things around with you. So. Oh, yeah. I've got a lot of ideas on this one. So you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave. You can find us up on Instagram, also at ST underscore Conclave. Uh, listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. 
And once again, uh, please, please, please feel free to join us up on our Discord. You can find the link to that up at our website, StorytellerConclave.com. And uh, we also tweet it out pretty regularly, so you can find it on our Twitter feed as well. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, and Sparkle Motion. You guys help us every week with keeping the show up, and we love it. Our pre-show music today, again, was by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at Patreon.com slash Arcane Anthems. I will be putting the list up uh, with the show tonight, so you guys can uh, catch that. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. And our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash machines slash tracks. And lastly, a big shout out to our families, Vicky and Sean, all of our friends who've sat with us at our games, uh, at our game tables over the years and given us a, these great experiences to share with you. Yes. And you, all of our listeners, we love you, every single one of you. Mm. Thank you. Love Good you. night. Good night.